Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. On this show, I have talked at length about the importance of eating enough protein, but sometimes eating protein throughout the day can be a challenge. However, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts and is the perfect addition to your day. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, over 10% of your daily value. It's one of the highest protein nuts out there. But that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and better for you unsaturated fats, which we all need in our diet. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on your summer adventures. So whether you're dropping off the kids or running between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Thank you for tuning into Balance Black Girl. I know that there are a ton of amazing podcasts out there, so I'm really honored that you're taking the time to listen to this one. My name is Les, I am your host, and we are currently in our new life and creativity series talking about fertility, motherhood, and birthing new ideas. Recently on Instagram, we got a comment from a community member, Lori. Hi, Lori, if you're listening, that said, I almost skipped these episodes because I've been avoiding fear-based convos about aging and prospective motherhood, but the discussions have been the complete opposite. So real, refreshing, and empowering, and honestly about so much more than motherhood. So Lori, thank you so much for leaving this comment it really, really just touched my heart that you felt this way and shared this because I will be honest, I feel the same way. I'm in my thirties and you know, that's the the age where things start getting really real. And so I knew if I was going to be facilitating these conversations on the podcast, I wanted to do so in a way that felt encouraging and that were with love and intention and not at all about fear mongering or just anything that we're already getting enough of that we don't need more of. So I'm really, really happy to hear that the episodes are resonating with you. Thank you for taking a chance and tuning in anyway, and I really hope that it has been worth your while. 
So today we've got another one. I'm actually very excited about today's episode because we're trying something a little bit different. We actually have two guests today to offer a few different perspectives around motherhood and support. First, we're talking to Dr. Veronica Io, a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in working with mothers, both new and seasoned, as they navigate their motherhood journey, as well as managing systems of perinatal mental health. What she's found in working with many of her clients and from her own experiences as a mother is that during the transition to motherhood, it can be really hard to maintain one's identity because the role of mother can be all-consuming. And after becoming a mother, it can be really hard to remember and stay in touch with who one is as an individual. So whether you're a parent or not, I think that this segment is going to be really, really helpful because we talk about reparenting ourselves and feeling firmly rooted in our identities, but allowing flexibility for our identities to shift and change as we shift and change throughout our lives. So let's talk to Dr. Veronica Io. You're a licensed therapist and you really focus on helping mothers navigate the mental, physical, emotional weight that they're carrying um, with being responsible for these other lives. So how did you decide to specialize in working with mothers? So I became a mom. So that was the most humbling experience that I so far have gone through. Knocking on wood, we'll we'll keep going. It's learning. Um, I was a therapist before. I used to work with adults. And so I thought when I became a mom, I got this, like, come on, I got the skills, you know, I'm healing my own traumas. I'm going to, I got this. And then my daughter was born and I knew the importance of support, but for me, especially as a black woman and where I live, it's a predominantly, for lack of a better word, like a white neighborhood. Like I was like the only one in the mommy and me group um, that was a black mother and I couldn't see myself in the things that I was talking about or trying to navigate. And, you know, these women, I was able to connect with them, but it was a struggle and not in um, like they weren't doing what they needed to do. But I think especially I need someone that could look like me, can speak to what I needed. And so after I did my own work, I was like, okay, let me, I'm ready. I'm going to be that person for someone who maybe is struggling more and is needing that support. And one of the things that helps is when I turn on the, so I do telehealth right now. So when I turn on my camera and they see my face and they're like, oh, hey girl, what's yeah. up? I'm like, we got this yes. right here, right? And so that's how I got into this. I w- wanted to heal what, what parts of me that I needed. So I changed my practice and I predominantly really only work with mothers of color. I work with all moms, but from predominantly mothers of color of like navigating this journey, talking about some of these things and um, ultimately, you know, trying to show up the best way that we can. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. What really sticks out to me about the parts of your story that you just shared was just that, that difference between, you know, knowing I've done this work. This is what I do for work. I do this healing. But then once you had your daughter, just experiencing an entirely different reality. And it, it feels like there are things that we can do to prepare, but until that little person is here, 
it's hard to fully understand the weight of kind of what life looks like moving forward. Is that fair to say from your experience and from your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, we spend a lot of time, especially one, getting pregnant, right? If you're intentionally in that way or dealing with the accidental pregnancy or whichever way we get to this, this thing of motherhood. And when you become pregnant, so much work is put into, here's the things you need to do for baby. This is what you, you know, the classes you need to take, the doctor visits, all this stuff. And there's very little work on, on mom part. Like, what is it like that you become a mom? And a lot of the work that I do is, and even how I show up on social media is like, even while you're pregnant, let's start talking about this because even I don't know how you're going to be when you get there. And I think just giving yourself permission to be as you are, as you navigate that, like that is really important because even the way that you prepare could be totally off than the baby that you have and the experience that you have. And so if you're able to say, I'm going to give myself permission to prepare as much as I can, but I'm also going to anticipate that some things may not be that way. And that's okay. Like, let me find someone that can help me navigate that for me. Let me find my support, whether that's a therapist or listening to a podcast or whatever it is, I'm all for it because we need that, especially as Black mothers. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things I did want to ask you about was Mm -hmm. how we can reparent ourselves. And it's probably really challenging if you are reparenting yourself while parenting little people. And then even if you're not parenting little people and you're still walking around in the world trying to reparent yourself and identify why you react to certain things, um, what are some signs or indications that we may need a little bit of reparenting? And if we identify that, what can we do to start reparenting ourselves? So one of the kind of like tips that I come into like in therapy when a person recommends or starts acknowledging like, I'm going to give an example of, let's say your child is... I'm going to pick a three or four year old, right? So now they're still little, super cute, <laughs> but they're talking, okay? <laughs> they're talking, okay? And so let's say how you grew up was very much our children to be, are to be seen and not heard, right? Try telling that to a three-year-old right now. No three-year-old is just going to sit there, okay? They're going to talk back, right? And I don't mean that talking back in a negative way. I mean, they got opinions. The world hasn't shaped them yet, right? And so let's acknowledge that you don't want to raise your kids in that way. Like that was something that really stood up for you because you've noticed, you know, you struggle to speak up for your needs or you struggle to even identify what your needs are because you practice so much in your life, like squishing that down. Okay. I feel like that's the relatable one that a lot of us learn how to do to like, just make yourself small, like push it, push it down. Like, you know, and so here you have a little one who doesn't understand those rules. Like, that's not there. And you notice every time that they say anything back, right? Whether they say, no, mom, I don't want that. Or no, thank you. I'm actually going to pick on that. No, thank you. Because my little son, total self-disclosure, says no, thank you for everything. Like <laughs> very proper, right? Like Very polite. No, thank you. <laughs> very polite, right? Like he's just, he got, right? But if my whole life, my my core upbringing was about doing as I was told to do, right? And here I have this little one who's not listening to me, right? Which and I don't mean that negative. It's just he's he's two. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to challenge, right? 
but it becomes a big thing. I notice that I get big emotions, whether that's like my heart's pounding and the things I'm identifying comes from like actual work of like noticing what's happening in your body, right? Like so my heart's pounding, my my hands are sweaty. I notice I'm, I'm getting red. I notice that I start yelling at a, you know, a little kid who was telling me, no, thank you. Or no, I don't want to do that, right? And let's say someone points it out. Someone just gently says like, it's not that big of a deal. Or you notice, right? When you're putting them to sleep, this is where some guilt or shame comes in a lot in motherhood when they're away, they're asleep. Right? And you're like, why am I getting so upset by this, right? That is like one little flag. I call them little flags of like, maybe there's something else there. Let's talk about it, right? Were you allowed to say no, thank you or no, right? Okay, let's say you identify, no, I'm not. And I'm making this seem so simple that it is. There's a lot of tears in here. Let's insert <laughs> tears and like learning and growing, yes. right? So you're, you identify that. So now we know that like, hey, when my kid tells me, no, thank you. Or no, I don't want to do this. Or, you know, whatever that version of like, how growing up would have been seen as defiant. You know that that's a trigger. And so what we talk about is like, let's role play. What, What would you have wanted to say? What did you have wanted someone to tell you in that moment? Again, pulling teeth, pulling teeth. It's hard because in that moment when your little one is telling you, no, thank you. It's a, okay, that's okay you know, depending on what it is. Okay. So like, if they're saying, you know, no, thank you. I don't want to play this game right now. That's okay. Okay. I'm going to be over here and do that. Then you go over there to wash the dishes or whatever. And you're like deep breathing, like, man, that was so hard, like to, uh, to respect and honor my child. And then you keep doing things like that over and over again, like in different examples. And what that does is you then notice the connection that your kid has with you, right? Now you have this kid who continues to grow up. He's four, he's five, he's six, he's seven, who continues to feel comfortable in telling you these things. That small, very big thing of like reparenting in that moment of identifying your triggers helps with the connection that you have. And then you notice, God, I'm so connected to my kid, but it's hard work because let me tell you when they say no thing, you're like, look, back in the day, <laughs> there would have been a different response and that's okay. And that's why you need a space in therapy to say like back in the day, this is what I would have done, but this is how I'm going to show up. But I just have to name this piece. Right. And so it goes with, I think that's the theme that you'll hear me say a lot of It's like, we have to acknowledge it, but then I'm also a big believer in practicing it, whether that practice is in role playing of what it could look like. So having a different person to see a different perspective, or if you don't feel comfortable, this is where I feel like journaling comes in. Um, I have a lot of clients like they'll write out kind of, I call them like incidents. They'll write down like my kid did this. And, and then it's like a free for all journaling, like write down everything that you wanted to say, everything that's coming up for you. Like we got to see it all on paper. Right. And then from there, like, how would you want to react or how would you have wanted someone to react to you? And then we just keep practicing that over and over and over again, because that's what parenting is, right? Like it's doing, it's walking in this journey and and doing these different things over and over again to eventually get to a point that you don't need a parent, right? Like you're, you're grown. That makes sense. Definitely. It was wonderful. I love that you touched on having a sense of curiosity with yourself and people listen to the podcast a lot. They're probably sick of me talking about that, but I think that it's so applicable to every way that we take care of ourselves is checking in. Where are these feelings coming from? What is happening under the surface? Why am I reacting this way? 
why am I responding this way? And then allowing space to practice and to try different things out, whether you're communicating with your child or with yourself. I think that that was really, really helpful. Yeah, we got to practice it because nobody knows how to parent. Yeah. Heck, no one even knows how to be an adult. Like we thought it was one <laughs> way. And then if the last two years has taught us anything, we thought the world was one way. And then it just switched and we have to adapt. And if you can keep that in perspective of like, we're always changing, the world is always changing and evolving. I mean, like, I mean, we got COVID and everything, you know, like, and that's the one thing that can stay constant. So yeah, like you said, naming that curiosity, which I appreciate as a listener. I love that. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, I'll be telling clients. Yes. You see that someone else is telling you, have curiosity, keep doing it. <laughs> yes. Cause there's no absolutes. It's like what you were just saying about how much the world has changed. Can we talk a little bit more about that, about some of the pressure that comes in motherhood that I'm sure has always existed to an extent, but it feels like over the past decade or so, particularly around social media and with having so many more access points to how people parent and to how they go through that experience and unsolicited advice and judgment and shame, it feels like it's taking a job that was already really challenging and makes it next level challenging. Um, so if there are moms, whether they are new moms, whether they've been moms for a while who are just experiencing a lot of pressure around motherhood, how do you recommend they navigate through that to relieve some of that pressure? Get yourself a good girlfriend. You need some support in this. You need someone to kind of acknowledge it. Motherhood is hard. That pressure is there. And I think that pressure has existed beforehand. But there was never the opportunity, I can't say never, but there wasn't an opportunity or I didn't see an opportunity of people really naming it. It was kind of like, well, this is just how things are. This is just what you need to do, right? Because naming it or saying that, hey, this struggle is there, this pressure is there, was seen as if you're doing something wrong or like, do you not love your kids? Why Why are they a pressure? Why, why is it a struggle, right? No mother wants to be questioned on how much they love their kid. Right. And so you keep quiet, unfortunately. Right. And that isn't helpful either because I can't speak for all therapists in the world, but I will speak for myself of the <laughs> clients that I hear. We always talk about parents and therapy. Parents always come up in therapy. Right. And so if you have a generation of parents who have learned to keep things to themselves and not talk about this pressure that they're feeling or even their different struggles, you pass it on to the little ones, intentionally or not, like it passes on. And so if you're, you're, you're listening and you're like, man, okay, I'm glad that I can name that that pressure is there. The next thing I want to say is find the things that fulfill you or, or get curious with that, right? So I said that get the girlfriend piece. And it's because I'm a firm believer in like talking, obviously, in my very biased opinion as a therapist, <laughs> I think talking is good, but it's with the right kind of people, the people who can see you as maybe perhaps who you were before, because I think that's another thing about motherhood. We do change in motherhood. And there is a lot of work that also comes back into, yes, I am a mother, but how do I find myself again? You know, and so talking it out can be helpful to have someone else that can give you a different perspective, whether that's a therapist or not. The one thing that isn't helpful is sometimes keeping things in our head. You know, we can convince ourselves of who we are, who we're not when we keep things inside. And so 
um, definitely finding that, that support with a girlfriend or partner or therapist. And then I think finding, and this is where I am going to toot on um, social media, finding those accounts that align with you, right? Yes. Whether it's on TikTok or on, on Instagram, whatever it is, like sometimes even having someone who you don't know kind of say like, you know, I, I think I remember once in the middle of the night when I was nursing my daughter, I remember, because we're up, that's that's when moms are up, okay, in the middle of the night. And, <laughs> and I remember seeing this mom talk about how she had like reordered so many things on Amazon. Like She was like, I was so tired that like I reordered the same thing. Aww. And then I was like, oh, because I had just done that yeah. like three days, the three nights before. And I had felt so guilty. I felt like, what am I doing wrong as a mom that I can't even remember that I ordered the same thing? Like, mind you, I ordered the same thing and the packages came and I was like, who did this? It was me. And so like that moment of like, here's this random stranger talking about it. I was like, oh, thank goodness. It's not just me. I'm not doing this wrong. Right. So, like even those things are connecting, right? Like we just gotta get creative with it. Yeah. Connecting over those shared experiences is really, really valuable. We need it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have a lot of friends who are having babies right now, which has been beautiful to witness. And I also recognize my own limitations as someone who does not have children yet in my ability to relate to them. And so I see them wanting to seek out friendships with people who also have kids. And I'm like, yes, that that just seems like it's so necessary for someone who truly understands this very unique life altering experience to be able to connect over that it just seems profoundly important. Yeah. But I also want to say that friendship with you is also important too, as a person who knew them before motherhood. Yeah. Because as much as I love me, some mom friends, I talk a lot about mom friends. They're important. I think sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in the kid piece, like yeah. all about the kids and what's happening this and this is routine and they're in this sport. And, and sometimes you need the friend that is like, Hey, Veronica, didn't, didn't you say that you wanted to go back for your doctorate or didn't you say that you wanted to do this or you need those friends that not so much that are holding you to like what you said before but it's like reminding you of oh yeah this is nice to sit down and not have to talk about me or these kids <laughs> it's nice to have someone check in with me about me and so having that balance of those people can be healing in itself too so don't only have mom friends also have friends of all capacities too definitely definitely and what you just said actually is the perfect segue to something else that I really want to talk to you about. And that's about with being a mother, that is a very all-consuming role. It can be. And I want to talk about ways that mothers, probably particularly new mothers because they're just starting off in that journey, can still make space for themselves and still feel connected to themselves while they're navigating this new chapter in life. It it just seems like that what you said about kind of getting lost in the mom world getting lost in what's going on with the kids seems like a really big challenge how can moms still create space for themselves and still feel like themselves or feel like they're in touch with themselves while being a mother you're definitely going to have to make the time so but let me clarify on this time piece yeah so you become a mom right you birth this beautiful child and what we don't realize that we also birth 
is guilt. His mom guilt just kind of comes out in, in this uh, in this life. And what that mom guilt kind of does is like anytime you try to do anything outside of motherhood, that voice kicks in. It's like, shouldn't, shouldn't you be with your kid right now? Even if it's not even your voice. We hear that from society. We hear that from our own expectations of how we'd be as mothers. And so that little voice is saying like, Wait, what do you mean you're going to go get your nails done? What do you mean you're going to go hang out and do this? What do you mean you're going to record a podcast episode and pick up your kids a little bit later today, right? Like, what, what, what is this little guilt voice right there, right? And so as a parent, I want to acknowledge that that voice is going to be there. I, I, I wish I had the magic formula of like how to cure it. I think we can lessen it, right? I think we can do different things to not follow what that voice is saying, right? So I gave the example about the podcast episode. That's me, y'all. Uh, today, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm picking up my kids a little bit later. And that's okay because I, one, fangirl moment, but also, two, like, I love this. I love this work. And this fulfills me. This fulfills my cup of Veronica. And so even though my mom guilt voice is there, right, I have learned to, to really, okay, identify that it's there. But what behavior is going to get me closer to who I want to be and what I, how do I want to show up as Veronica? So voice there, this, I want to I have this episode and I want to, to talk about this and I'm going to enjoy it and love it. And what's going to happen is that I pick up my kids. Well, one, they're going to get a happy mama. And two, they're going to go pick up their favorite food through drive through Who doesn't <laughs> love French fries? Right. Like. Well, maybe some people don't, but my kids <laughs> love it, right? And how I show up is totally different. Sometimes we do have to trick our brain into to saying like, oh yeah, you went to go get your nails done. You went to go get your hair done. You know, like that fulfills you. And then what happens is you're challenging that guilt voice, right? That guilt voice said, your baby's going to really struggle when you're gone, right? They're not going to know who you are because that voice, people do really hear it that intensely, right? Wow. And to maybe people who aren't mothers, they're like, Wait, what are you talking about? Like your kid will be fine for the 45 minutes that you go and do that. But to a mom, that fe- that voice, you believe what that voice is telling you. And so you say, you know what? I can't, I can't go and get my nails done or no, you know, I can't do this. And so when you challenge it, hands sweaty, like I'm talking about all these symptoms that you may feel, because that's really what comes up sometimes. It's like, you feel like you're going against what you should be doing as a mother. Right. And so my encouragement is do it anyway, but we got to start with small steps. I didn't get to this podcast where I'm the example that I gave of me back when I first started as a mom. It really did have to be small steps of actually, you know what, I'm going to leave the baby with you, honey, so that I can go for a walk. And then I'm going to come back and you're going to say the baby was fine. And then I'm going to go, okay, one coin in the, the guilt voice wasn't right. Yeah. And then you just keep doing it slowly and slowly. And that's how we go, right? And um, I get the example of doing nails. You can't get me to miss my hair appointment to save my life, y'all. Okay, <laughs> it's, going, it's a key thing of who I am as a mother. Okay, <laughs> look at these kids, my gray hairs everywhere. But it took a while to get there, right? And so we got to fill into that little can of challenging that voice. That's beautiful. Yeah, those little reinforcements that remind you that it's okay to do things for yourself and that the the kids are okay too. And building upon those little reinforcements. I love that example. And we, we talked a little bit earlier about the mental, physical, 
emotional load that motherhood can bring on. I would love to talk about maybe some strategies that people can use if they are feeling that strategies they can use to to mitigate some of that, whether they find themselves being maybe the default parent or whether they find themselves in the household carrying most of the load and feeling the toll of that. Can we talk about some ways that we can mitigate those feelings if we are feeling that pressure? Well, if you're feeling it, then it's probably true. First, we got to not dismiss it. I think oftentimes as mothers, I don't think even just as mothers, just as people, we dismiss the feelings that we're having. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, just, you're just making a big deal out of this. And that's not the case. So one, if you're feeling that, it's probably there. Okay. And then the other thing is, there's a book called Fair Play by Eve Brodsky. She did the work for you, y'all. Y'all can look on this, Google this. But she even has these cards of all the different things that we do as parents. Yeah. Like the things that you don't think about. Because truly, and I don't know if anyone has ever done this, but a time audit of the things that they do, right? Like literally you write down everything that you do, like every minute. It's very tedious. Um, I don't recommend it in terms of like tediousness, but it can be helpful to really acknowledge a lot of the things you do, right? Because to be honest, again, we dismiss even the small things that we do. We're like, oh, it only takes two minutes to put things in the wash, right? That adds to the mental load as a mom. You got to make sure my kids have all the things they need. Oh, I just washed the dishes or washed the things that they needed, or "Eh, it wasn't that big a deal. I had to wash them anyway, right? Or I, you know, they're having Easter events um, coming up. And they need these things. Oh, it's okay. I was going to go to the Target either way. Like I needed to pick that stuff up anyways. That adds to the mental load. There's small things that add to it that you don't realize play a toll on you. And so when I'm talking about Eve Brodsky, she has these amazing cards that really detail all the things that we do. And if you have a partner or not, right, it gives an idea for you to really truly come to an honest realization of all that you do. Like. That mental load is there. And this is why, because you're doing all these things. And she has developed it into a game, right? Because, you know, we got to make it fun. We got to make it fun, y'all, because we're tired as parents of like, how can we have these conversations of the things that are important to me and me as a mom? And then also, for example, like to my husband, right? Like, what are the things that are important? What are the things that need to get done? We need to have this done. A lot of the load sometimes that mothers have, especially as a default parent, is that you're doing it all because everything seems important. And I'm not saying that there are not a lot of important things. There are important things. However, not everything is. And sometimes we find ourselves doing things that are not, that are not even important to us, but we do them because we think that we're expected to do them. And so I named that resource because for me, it was very helpful. I remember when I read her book early on in motherhood, I was like, oh, well, thank you, one, for doing the work for me, because I didn't even realize I was doing all this work. <laughs> and then two, it was an opportunity to have a conversation with my partner of like, hey, hon, these are all the cards that I'm holding. And like, do you see all these cards? I'm tired. And I'm at a loss of how I can really move forward with the things that I need to do. And so here it is starting the conversation. I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect conversation, y'all. Let's let's be honest. It's hard, one, on both ends. It's hard to take up the cards and then it's also to give up the cards. So let's be honest. Some of us are controlling people. We <laughs> like things our way. It's a little trauma response, right? Of like wanting yeah. to do things because we're the only ones that we can count on. And I don't want to burden people. 
or I, I just don't want to make it difficult. Like I just want to make it easy. Right. But what happens is your shoulders are down, your head, your weight is heavy and you're not able to show up in the way that you want to. So when you're noticing that mental load, like let's, let's, let's pick up that game. Let's have this conversation. If you don't have a partner, that's okay. I think it still comes to this point of you acknowledging what are the things that maybe you need support from. Maybe there's things that you need to outsource. Maybe there's things that you need to drop. Is this how you want to live your life with this heaviness? And most of the time the answer is no. And most of the time is learning how to give up some of those cards or making peace with not doing some of those cards and, and having that frank conversation with yourself of like what's important and what's not. That is so helpful. We are absolutely going to link to that in the show notes so that people can find the book and the cards because oftentimes I think a lot of even just tasks and things that weigh on us kind of live in our head and when we're able to tangibly see it, whether it's a list, a card, whatever, tangibly be like, these are all the things swimming around in my brain right now that I'm carrying and we can figure out, like you said, does this really matter or can I get help with this? Even the act of doing that and just seeing it all laid out sounds like a relief when it's not just living in our heads. Mm-hmm. We got to get it out of the heads. Yeah. That's that's a big thing. I'm a big uh, paper and pal kind of gal, but even better if someone else does the work for me so yes. I can uh, less work for me to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And even help us recall some of the things that we may not consider, those things that you're automatically doing all day that have you exhausted that you may not even think to recall. Yeah, I agree. We need that help. Absolutely. So kind of as we wrap up here, I would just love to learn where people can find you, how they can work with you, either if they're in Los Angeles or not, um, to get more support kind of on their journey as they're navigating motherhood. Well, I am on Instagram and on TikTok uh, sharing all the topics that come up so relevant in, in therapy. And there's the more personal things of like, hey, showing up as we are and like, how do I navigate things as a therapist and a mom? I think a lot of people think, well, because you're a therapist, got it together. Let me tell you guys, that's not the, it's not the case. It's a learning experience. And yet there's so much that we can learn from each other and grow in that way. So on that um, Instagram and, and TikTok, I'm at Dr. Veronica Eo, and there will be linked to my website of just the different, different things that I'm doing. Amazing. I love that. And I also, I love what you just said about still showing up as a human, even as a therapist and as a mom, like still a human, human first and having a human experience like everybody else. Yes. So important for that. Cause I think again, the con of social media makes it seem like everything's perfect. It's not. And we're all humans trying to figure it, figure it all out together. Definitely. And maybe then it makes you feel less alone. Yes, the together part is key. If that's the biggest takeaway that I want anybody to have from this conversation, it's figuring it out together, that you're never the only person experiencing something. Whatever you're feeling, you are not alone, that there's somebody who can either relate or who has been there and who may have a solution and to just remember that you're never doing it on your own. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate for having hobbies and learning a new language is an incredible hobby to take up. I've been practicing my French with Babbel, and it's been such an effective, engaging way to learn. I took French in high school and college, but I got a little rusty and I wanted to brush up before visiting France earlier this year, and I've been hooked on Babbel 
ever since because it's helped so much. And you too can make amazing progress with your language learning through Babbel. And that's because Babbel actually works. So instead of paying hundreds of dollars for private classes or playing on apps that are basically glorified games, you can take Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language as soon as three weeks from now. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and their methods for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, so you're learning things you would actually say, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. It's no wonder why Babbel has sold over 10 million subscriptions because it's real learning for real conversations. And they're offering a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. So you can get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for our listeners at babbel.com slash balanced. Get up to 55% off at babbel.com slash balanced, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash balanced. Rules and restrictions may apply. How loving and supportive is Dr. Veronica Io? Definitely make sure you give her a follow and we will have her information linked in the show notes. While we're talking about navigating the journey into motherhood and that shifting identity, I really wanted to talk to a new mom and get her perspective on what that has been like. So please let me introduce my friend, Rosalind Davis. Rosalind is a philanthropy professional by day and also a wellness practitioner and writer by calling. She's committed to cultivating brave spaces for connection, healing, and self-exploration, which she does through her platform, We Are Taking Up Space. She is also a new mom who is currently finishing up the fourth trimester after giving birth to her first child earlier this year. We sat down for an honest take on what that's been like and how she wants to build community with others who are embarking on motherhood, as well as ways motherhood has unlocked new levels of creativity for her. Right now we're talking all about motherhood, which... is such a beautiful topic. Something that I'm excited to talk to you about because right now, the time that we're recording this and releasing this, you are rounding out your fourth trimester, right? You're going to be three months post baby girl's arrival. Yeah. How has that been? How are you doing? This week, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It has been definitely a roller coaster. And like, I feel like that's such like the cliche thing to say, but it is also the most accurate in my experience. It's been like super up and then super low. So it's been all right. Honestly, reflecting on my fourth trimester, I already see some things that I'm going to do different the next time, but we're we're here. (laughs) You made it. Absolutely. Has anything surprised you over the past few months since becoming a mom? my gosh, what a question. Honestly, yes. I think I kind of touched on it just a second ago. The fact that I am not beating myself up more over things that I don't know or that we haven't nailed yet. Um, 
I am surprised by how much like grace I'm giving myself. And maybe because my daughter's middle name is Grace. So I like spoke that over us before she came. But I am very much someone who like, I want to do the thing right. I want to do it on time. I want to do it with excellence. And, you know, motherhood is my first time here. I don't know lots of things. And I am very surprised with just like how patient I've been with myself. I'm like shook by how like, just, I'm like, oh, that's fine. Like we'll get it next time. You know? So that definitely has been a shock. Yeah. And I'm also surprised, I think how much we've been able to find our flow with ease. I feel like before she came, I thought, I was going to like freak out when I first drove her in my car and I was going to freak out when I was left alone in the house with her. But when those things happened, it was just like, oh, this is like just what's happening right now. It wasn't this big event that I had made it was going to be. It's just the thing that's happening. So I think I'm surprised by how much grace I've given myself and how useful it's been to kind of take on this new identity. That's beautiful. Knowing you, I'm not surprised that you've been able to give yourself grace because I think it's really a testament to the work that you do and how you have cared for yourself, particularly over the past few years. I'm I'm not surprised to hear that at all, because I think you've been you've been working on that. And now is has been your time to practice it. Yes. Thank you for saying that. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, you and I are very close friends and you've seen kind of like my transition over the past couple of years. And I I agree. I have prepared for this time. Like I was working on the, the grace thing when it came to like owning a business and then job transition and all of that did prepare me for motherhood. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want like, I want you to continue to carry that grace because Thank you. you deserve it. And it's beautiful to see. I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'd also love to talk about just relationships, like how relationships have maybe changed mm-hmm. since becoming a mother. Have you noticed any changes in your relationships with other people, be it with your husband or with your friends mm-hmm. or with family? What's that been like? The first thing that I noticed about relationships was that motherhood really brought me closer to people that I like hadn't had contact with in a long time or people that I went to high school with and we maybe like crossed paths but never actually really spoke before. Like now we're DMing every day, like, girl, what swaddle do you have? What (laughs) bottles do y'all use? Like, because this thing is crazy. And we're all just trying to like figure it out together. So I love that it's like brought me community because you also know that for the past couple of years, I've been having just like feeling disconnected from folks that I thought were going to be around for a long time. And you told me so beautiful. You said that like, when we go through different seasons, sometimes we come apart and sometimes in the future, we may come back together. And that is like happening right now. So I just love that it's brought community that I've wanted for so long that I didn't no would show up in this way, but I need it so much. So I love that it's it's done that. Of course, it has, I wouldn't say put a strain on me and my husband's relationship, but it definitely is like a new dynamic. Seeing him as a dad is like really fun because he's already just this big kid. And then now he has an outlet in the house to like <laughs> play around and be goofy because I'm very much like, I'm pretty serious most of the time when we're at home. You're a Capricorn and, queen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm pretty much like, 
routine. We're going to bed dinner time. Like I'm very like strict. So, <laughs> so he has an outlet now to be his goofy self. Him and Naomi just laugh and like play all night. And I'm like, y'all, it's bedtime. So that is fun to see. But it also has made us have to be like more intentional about how we spend time together, like making sure we're talking about like our individual lives and not just baby stuff all day whenever we do get to like have a few moments together to talk. And also I had this moment yesterday where I just realized like, I cannot pick up and go somewhere anymore. Mm -hmm. Like my friend invited me over to her birthday party and Tony has a game and I've kind of exhausted our other babysitter option for this week. And I'm like, I probably can't go to this event because I have a whole child. And so that was a (laughs) moment that was like, oh, this is different now. So that's also been a change in my relationship to like just being able to go out and like and do things. And then the last kind of like relationship piece has really been me and my mom. That has been really beautiful to lean on my mom in a new way that not saying I didn't expect to because she's a grandma. So I'm like, she'll know things, but I didn't think to like that. I lean on her so much. And it's really cool to see my mom in this new way of her being a grandmother and just wisdom that she gave me when I was younger and me being a mother now, like it just, it hits different. I'm like, you did tell me that when I was younger, but now it means something else because I'm teaching it to my daughter. So that has been like, just really beautiful. And also, again, back to the friends thing, there is this part of me that I'm kind of having to, I guess, grieve a little. Like my friends are still planning like the girls trips and, you know, the nights out of bar hopping and things that I used to enjoy doing that just aren't suitable for having to breastfeed right now. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, honest. There's this part that's like, I wish I could go. And also I do love being in my bed by 1030. So there's this like, it's a, it's a back and forth of I'm sad and I miss that part of my life. And also I like where I'm at now. And I have been also surprised by the way that my friends have shown up for me, those who have kids and those who don't. I had this story in my mind that I've shared with you before that I feel like no one's there for me and like no one realizes that I'm going through these things and I need support, but the support has been like amazing. You have been someone that is constantly checking on us and saying like, I love you guys. What do you need? How can I help? And that has been just like, I can't describe like what it means in this season where everything feels foreign. I have been blown away by like how people are really here and like really actually mean it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that honesty. I I mean, the common theme that was kind of interwoven in what you shared was really about community, be it the community that you already had and how they're showing up and how that dynamic is changing. And then also the new communities and bonds that you're building with other new moms and what that looks like. And it's just the importance of that, that village and how mm-hmm. that village shows up in different ways and at different points is so important. But I also really appreciated how you talked about kind of that grieving process of mm-hmm. loving where you're at and grieving, not doing some of the things that you used to do and that yeah. both can be simultaneous. You can exactly. you can totally feel both and that's yeah. that's normal and it's okay. And I appreciate yeah. you calling that out. 
Thank you. I want to share one more thing about this too. I made this tweet the other day and I said something like the joy of having your needs met like far outweighs the unsubstantiated like fear we have of naming our needs. And I put that unsubstantiated in there because some of our fear on our needs is justified. Like, yes, we have been let down before. Yes, people have not been there before, but that was before. That's not now all the time. So last week I shared that I was having trouble um, eating as much as I need to eat to produce enough milk for, for Naomi. I shared that. And one of my friends was like, Oh, I'll come over and like make you some meals for this week for lunch and dinner. And I was just like, okay. I was afraid to like share that and didn't think anyone would really even say anything. And even you responded to and was like, I'll send you something. And I was just like, overwhelmed by like how nice it felt to have someone be like, oh, I can do that. And I think that was the first time that I was just so blatantly like, y'all, I really need this thing. And then like the thing happened and I'm getting emotional. My God. Okay. And um, yeah, so I, I think, like you said, the community part is really important and acknowledging that they're there and also like allowing them to be there and saying what you need from them because people are waiting to help. They just need to know like what's the thing that needs to be done. Mm, Yeah, that's such a good point. I think that that is so relevant, particularly for moms who may feel like they need to do it all themselves. And even for people who aren't moms who just assume that people, you know, aren't there or are too busy or are this or that, but that sometimes when people know that gives them room to show up. Exactly. So how about your relationship with yourself? How, mm. how has that shifted over the past few months? Yeah, I mean, to say it's non-existent would be just a little bit exaggerating, but just a little bit exaggerating because I feel like there are only so many moments that I have that she's, you know, sleeping or doing her own thing. And then during those moments, I need to like eat or take a shower or just catch my breath. Um, so my relationship with myself has definitely changed even from just when I was pregnant. And the most, like the time that I savor the most is when I'm taking a shower and someone else is here. I don't have to rush and like keep peeking out the shower to see if she's okay. And that's the time where I like, I don't listen to music at this time. I used to love that, but now I just, this is my only time that's like silent me and my thoughts. So the shower has really just become like my home girl. Um, a lot of times it is being there crying. You just got to cry it out because the day brings so many different things and the only way to let go of it is really just to release through the tears. So my relationship with myself, it has not, it has been put on the back burner, but it's not non-existent. And I am very proud of that because I am quick to just be like, I'll deal with my stuff later. This stuff needs to happen. But I noticed very quickly within like our first week of being home that if I am not like tuning into myself and what I need, this is going to go downhill real, real, real fast. So I recently got back into like reading my Bible in the morning before I start the day and listening to like my worship music. So that in the beginning of the day, and then like the nighttime cry in the shower, I think, you know, I'm, I'm staying afloat. I'm going back to work in a couple of weeks. And so I'm hoping to bring some movement back into the day. That's like my last piece that would make the day just like 
chef's kiss is like the beginning, the movement in the middle of the day and the nighttime cry. So the relationship, it's, it, you know, it needs some work, but it's, it's there. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your honesty there. I think our relationship with ourselves, just like any other relationship also has seasons where there's times mm-hmm. where we are just like so dialed in to our needs and you're in this season where you are responsible for meeting a whole lot of the needs for like a whole nother person because yes. they can't do it yet. And so it totally makes sense that yeah. that relationship that you have with yourself is a little bit different right now or that it, mm-hmm. it comes in pockets as opposed to being yes, consistent yes. throughout the day, maybe how it used to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember when I was pregnant and I had told you that I was like feeling kind of lonely and you were like, girl, enjoy this lonely time because when Naomi gets here, they know mo that. And literally like during those days, the whole day was me like napping, going on a walk, doing a face mask, getting a massage. The whole day was about me. And I'm thank you for saying that because I will never get that time back. So I, you're right. Like this is a season where we we do in pockets of self-care. And when she's a little bit older, them days, they may come back, they may not, but <laughs> the pockets they don't will. work for now. <laughs> It'll come back. It'll come back. I'd also love to talk to you a bit about creativity because I know that you mm. are a very creative person. You've had so many different like creative endeavors that you do and that you're still doing how has motherhood impacted your creativity? Have you found that it's given you more inspiration? Have you felt more creative? Have you felt creative and intuitive in different ways? What's what's tea? I definitely have felt more creative. I would say more creative and creative in a different way, both at the same time. More creative because I feel like this like weight lifted, like once I gave birth to her, I don't know if I was maybe just the hormones. I don't know. But once she was here, I was like, oh, it's time to write and create and graphics and schedule and this and that. So once she was here, it was like, we, we pop in again. And I think it's also because I have this new confidence of like, I created a whole human being. There ain't nothing that I cannot do, that I cannot create, that I cannot conjure up, think up all of this. So I'm just a little bit more fearless in what I like put out. I really don't care too much about like how it performs or maybe even like, not the quality, but yeah, how it performs or like that it's curated perfectly. I really... And more focused these days on like the impact and how it makes people feel because I do think I'm also like just more sensitive now. And so I really have been longing to like feel things. I'm tired of like seeing a TikTok and I'm like, okay, that was boring or that <laughs> didn't resonate with me or like whatever. So I have been more creative and like focusing on the feeling, not so much of the look of things lately. I think that's kind of been refreshing as someone who, you know, I create for a living as one of my jobs. And I'm also recovering people pleasers. So I've always been focused on like how it looks and how people think about it and do they like it or not. And I just honestly, I don't care anymore. So that's been very liberating. And also another side of that is I have new things to create about, to talk about the mind and the soul transformation that happens when people become parents or become mothers or birthing people and the different like products and apps and things that we need to take care of babies. It's really exciting because 
I didn't, I mean, I saw a lot of that on Instagram, but it was all saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't always things that I felt like I saw myself in that content. Um, And now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm like, that ain't realistic. Like my house is probably clean one day a week. There's bottles everywhere. There's pacifiers, there's towels. And so when I'm seeing all these like curated, like nurseries that, I mean, I can go on and on and on, but anyways, I have been really passionate about sharing what motherhood looks like from like a realistic point of view or what totally. I think is realistic, I should say, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to this very curated, like always happy, always neat, clean, neutral colors. Cause that ain't, that ain't a lot of what's happening behind the scenes. So I have been also really focused on making it, making it authentic and relatable and accessible because I had so many questions and things that I never heard of before body parts. I didn't know did that at this time, (laughs) like so many things. And so I just want everyone to be like equipped for their time and not be as shook as I was when I arrived here. So I have felt very creative in a way of like not worrying so much about performance and more about impact and also really being a resource for folks who may want this for themselves one day. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing, sharing your journey while you're on it, because there is so much value in just sharing your experiences and what you're learning and going through while you're doing it. I mean, I think people are going to learn a lot from you, which is so supremely helpful. Oh, thank you. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier was you said, you know, that you've already learned some things uh, that you would maybe take and apply as knowledge for next time, you know, when, whenever, you know, you choose for that to be, what are some of the things that you've learned that you're like, okay, maybe next time I might do this differently or approach it differently? Yes, I would definitely sit my ass down somewhere way (laughs) sooner and for way longer. Okay. So we took birth uh, education classes before Naomi was here Mm -hmm. and we had a whole class on postpartum healing. Mm -hmm. And my teacher, shout out to Amanda. She said, you know, she doesn't want the moms to like basically leave their neighborhood for four weeks. She's like the first week, you should just be like in your bed and in the shower. The second week, you can be like in your moving around your room. Third week, you can be in your apartment moving around. Fourth week, be your neighbor going for a walk. The whole point was to not be out in the world, like doing so much, allowing the inside of the body to heal itself from the from birth. And I probably was like in the car three days after Naomi was born and we live on the third floor and there's no elevators here. Oh gosh. Also with context, she had jaundice when Mm -hmm. she was first born, which like discoloration of the skin because of the liver. And so we had to keep going to get her blood test done and and go to the lab and doctor's office. And Tony could have gone by himself and he would have been like absolutely fine. But I was like, no, I have to go. Like I'm her mom. I need to be there. And did I really have to? Probably not. I probably could have not been going up and down the stairs three times a week. Um, And I think because I started off that way, I kept up the momentum of like, oh, I can do things. I can make my own lunch. I can take a 30 minute shower and then, oh, okay, now I'm about to faint after I got the shower. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I was doing too much too yeah. soon because I felt like I had to the first few weeks. And actually I really didn't. Like my parents were here. Tony was here. I didn't have to be doing all of that. So I definitely would take it easy for way longer than I did. 
um, because now where are we like 11 weeks out and now I'm kind of having like some back issues and I've started like things are happening now that I think are because I wasn't resting then. And so I definitely would do that differently. That's the biggest thing, honestly, yeah, I think is, is really huge. being more mindful of, of the rest. And other than that, um, I think calling on my community also sooner because there was a couple weeks that went by when the food thing like wasn't popping before I actually said something. So <laughs> I think continuing the rest and, and asking for help sooner are definitely two things that I learned from this postpartum that I would do way different for the next one. Oh my gosh. Huge. Absolutely. And those are like amazing takeaways though, that I think would be so helpful. I'm sure that so many people feel the same way and have done very similar things and also needed that reminder oh, yeah. to rest and recover and receive. And so just sharing that experience is so helpful. Yeah, this is an important time to receive. Like the body has gone through so much, the the mind. So this is like the time when I would definitely encourage people to receive. And if you like are feeling hesitant about reaching out to folks who said, "Oh, I'll I'll be there. I'll I'll click. I'll come over." Really ask them for real. Like they may say no when you ask, but they also might say yes. And that yes is going to be so relieving. So if there's anything I could like share from, from this last 40 days <laughs> is don't be afraid to like make the ask because you will never know who will say yes. And they may go above what you were thinking they were going to do. So in last week's episode, we had uh, Miriam Webb, who's a dietitian and nurse and doula. She just does it all. And so if mm. anybody didn't listen to that episode, Make sure you go back and listen to last week's episode. But she said presence, like E-N-C-E over presence, oh presence, like gifts. Yeah. Um, because being a part of, of someone's village, especially when they have a new baby, like truly showing up and being present in any way that you can means so much more than the material things. And when she said that, it really stuck out to me because I'm always thinking like, what's on the registry? Let me send some bibs, <laughs> um, which is like great. And also that other support of just being present and there and connecting is goes so much further because that's what lasts. That's what yes. matters. Yes, that is so true. Like, because I, in the beginning felt like everyone was just going on about their lives and people had forgot about me now that I, you know, can't go out anymore to these things. And so having someone to come over and just sit with me and watch TV and take a nap with me, like that just means like, oh, people are thinking about me. Like it means so much. And also to the registry stuff comes in handy because I cannot tell you how many things we ordered from Target in the first week. They were like, oh shoot, we forgot this. And so your gift card came in handy. Like the, reg <laughs> the registry thing, Things, they do matter, but we could have bought that ourselves, but I cannot buy company. I cannot buy knowing that I'm on someone's mind. So that presence, that is so important. She was spot on with that. Mm, what you just said, I can't buy someone's company. I can't buy knowing that I'm on someone's mind. Woo. Yeah. That's a mic drop. It feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bar. It's a great feeling. <laughs> but it's true. It's so true. Oh, it's yeah. so true. That was so good. Thank you for that. 
Yes, of course. Is there anything else that you wish you would have known kind of going into motherhood so far? I mean, there's always so much more to learn. But Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I would have known that it's okay if the plan has to change. Specifically speaking to my birth plan, it did not go the way that I thought it was going to go. And I think because I had consumed so much online around what types of birth are most empowering and what types of birth strong people have and what types of birth conscious people have, I was like, oh, I want to have one of those. And when, you know, the emergency came and the plan had to change, there was a little bit of disappointment. Like, I'm not going to be a good mom because now I have to birth this way. Mm-hmm. Or now I'm not going to have like a spiritual experience because I have to do it this different way. And that is not the case. Birth, however it happens, is a spiritual experience. Like literally, however it happens, it's a miracle in itself. Let's let's like start there. And so, and I think that lesson has continued as she's grown with just everything that comes with raising a new human, I wish they would have known that it's okay to change the plan. And that doesn't make me less of a like loving parent. Yeah. Cause the plans with the newborn, there really are no plans. It'll oh. always be changing. And oh, so yeah. I wish I would have known that before going into like our birth night, but it's, I've definitely carried it with me these past three months. So that's one. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And even though you didn't know that at that time, you know it now and you're acting on it. Like you have pivoted so beautifully. I, I don't know anything about parenting, but from what I've seen, it seems like parenting is a series of pivots. You're constantly pivoting (laughs) around this little person and just figuring it out together. (laughs) And you've done that. Literally whatever they want. You think one thing and they think something else. So you got to (laughs) just, it's, yeah, it is. It's a series of meeting in the middle and being flexible is like just all it is. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so good. So Rosalind, what are you looking forward to next? What's for you? Personally or as a mother? Both. Personally, I am looking forward to getting back to work. Mm -hmm. And I had a little mom guilt around that before because I'm like, I actually want to stay home with my daughter. And I do. I love her. She's great. Um, And I also miss my job. I love what I do. We do like like world changing things there. I miss it so much. And I also miss my like my creative business, um, taking up space. We are like launching our podcast this year and having some in-person events in the summer. So I'm excited to get back to work and and sharing my gift again. Like I really, during this time off of work, I've really noticed that like my gift is really to like love on people and encourage them. And I'm excited to like re-emerge and not be ashamed of that gift and start sharing again, like with breath work and and coaching and consulting and all that. I'm excited to just be doing the damn thing again. (laughs) That's beautiful. I'm excited for you to do that because seeing you show up in your gifts in that way, it's just so magical and you're so good at it. Thank you. Thank you. I received that. It's true. And what are you looking forward to next in terms of motherhood? 
in terms of motherhood, I am looking forward to the summer with Naomi. Like she is really funny and she has such a personality. So I can't wait to see it like develop more as we're on our picnics and we're going to the beach and stuff. Looking forward to that. And also I'm traveling with her. We are going to visit my parents in July and, um, seeing what it's like to travel with a newborn. That's going to be exciting. And just learning her, like learning her personality and kind of keeping my eye on what her interests might be. I'm just excited to learn her, honestly. It's every day something new and it's so much fun. That sounds like so much fun, just getting to know her more (laughs) and more each day. Yeah. So Rosalind, how can our audience keep in touch with you? How can they find you if they're a a new mom and they're also interested in community? Like how can they get in on that with you? Oh, yeah. I am starting a new mom community. So it'll be out by the time this comes out. You can um, get in touch with me on Instagram at the soulful guide underscore. And from there, you can visit my website, roslynmdavis.com, where I have a newsletter. I share journal prompts and things that I'm loving currently. More details about the mom community will be on there as well. Amazing. We'll have all of that linked in the show notes so that you can check it out. Rosalind, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you appreciated hearing from our amazing guests, Dr. Veronica Io and Rosalind Davis. And I'll make sure both of their information will be linked in the show notes so you can keep in touch with them and join their communities. For extended show notes and full transcripts of today's episode, head to balanceblackgirl.com and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. Huge thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show and to you for tuning in. Next week, we're talking to two of my favorite podcasters, Erica and Mila from Good Moms, Bad Choices. And we're talking about dating, building businesses, and creating space for self-care while raising humans. Next week's episode is going to be so much fun. So again, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. I'll talk to you next week.